Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcast. G'day and welcome to an extra arresting edition of Thrush and Treasure, the Torture Chamber Musical Comedy Podcast, where a metal gladiator challenges a musical Spartan for Caesar's love and salad. And speaking of gladiator, what? I hardly knew her. Because I'm Aaron, and I can't do it alone, so I'm joined as usual by my very own American expat Spice Girl, because I spice with my little eyes, someone beginning with M, midlife crisis spice. It's Matt the Quizmaster. How's it going? Very well, Aaron. Hi. Is it because of my salt and pepper hair that I'm spicy today? Or am I just always a spicy sort of fella? Yes. <laughs> uh, anyways, guess what? What? We have Australia's leading legendary diva tangled in the cell block today. And given he's such an exquisite purveyor of fine laughs, do I really have to write this comedy intro? I mean... Look at me. No, really, look at me. Give me the blood running free as we both reach for the blood capsule, sorry, time capsule, for a time warp and pick a hit to razzle-dazzle us at the world's worst circus. So let's jump to the left, then step right around the bend into the affirmations afoot as this admirably affable Aussie has arranged an astronomical ascent into Australian arts after appearing in an alarming array of awesome acting appointments on Aussie airwaves and amassing an awe-inspiring amount of audiences all around the earth. So all I care about is being in a little bit of good comedy company as this funny honey put the gossip in Kylie Mole, the mumbles in Colin Carpenter, and the cons bananas in Marika, while secretly buttering up my own best friend, Nurse Pam Good Sandwich Love Child. And speaking of matron conniving bitch, I'm Aaron, and me and my spice baby are joined by a certified male bright star of stand-up, stage, and screen who's so full of class, he leaves laughter on the 23rd floor. So please help this pair of classless chaps say a huge local g'day, then blast all that jazz, and since good things come in glass, why don't we serve up some homebrew to the bouncers and throw a toast to celebrate the importance of being Ernest, Roxy, Chuck, Finn, Glenn, Gary, Glenn, and Ross, those funny guys who tempest with their jokes and jingles. But just as comedy comes, tragedy goes, and in Camino Reality TV, with stints on Rove, talking about your generation, QI Live, The Spec Show, and who does he think he are, as this all-star squares with our crackers torture chamber, full of bad eggs, who shun the law of the land, so get a squeeze society's underbelly, where it's open slather. Bonza. And the takeaway is, we're not looking for grace. We're all saints here. But instead of chasing paper planes, show us your roots so we can chase this statesman of comedy in the amazing race while he shouts, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And a hundred other projects. But too bad, because when you're good to mama, it's a date with this legitimate icon and papa Minogue, who's known to gaze across the world as Kim's husband, Craig, I think, <laughs> after his four seasons and two movies stay at Hotel de Kath and Kim, which reunited Riff Raff and Magenta after the a legendary 92 tour of Rocky Horror, but now he's swapped the duster and rag for a hot honey rag because nowadays you can currently see through him in the Aussie Revival tour of Chicago. So let's pop sick and squish this intro as this sissy rolls to the finish because we always keep it hot. So we found ourselves an RSVP because he's the rose between two thorns, the one and only Mr. Peter Rose Thorn. Yeah. What the oh, hell are you doing on wow. my show? Goodness gracious me. I was warned. I was warned about that introduction and I'm still shocked. Yeah, that was awesome. some effort. You did a lot of work on that. That's very impressive. That's my whole CV done in a riddle. Amazing. Yep. Pretty much, Amazing. even early college stuff that I found. Oh, Camino Real. Wow, I was nineteen when I did that. 
Did I hear assless chaps in there? Classless chaps. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. But I have probably been there along the way. Classless chaps. I was referring to me and you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anyways, how are you going? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Not a problem. I'm just killing time. I've got two days off. This musical is... Uh, Beautifully organised where we go two shows Wednesday, one Thursday, one Friday, Tuesday, two Sunday, but two clean days off. So I'm just sort of hanging around my little pokey little apartment waiting for something to happen. And you've happened, which is good. It's filling an hour. I don't know how long we're going for, but it'll fill some time anyway, which is great. Awesome. That's all right. We don't have to rush. Thank God we don't have to rush because, yeah, we had, um obviously, Asabi Goodman on recently. We had her as a guest, yes. which Matt debuted as host. And also, she was my blessed co-host interviewing Simon Burke and Bert Labonte, two more legends from Australian theatre. Yeah, Simon Burke, wow. So I'm, I'm like literally a step, on the class level, I am a step up above Kath and Kim, really. Like, (laughs) the rest of my family are the Kath and Kims. I'm like a step above because I get to work with classy people, don't I? (laughs) Okay. Anyways, you you are currently in Chicago and did Priscilla a couple of years ago, I believe. Yeah, I did. So I was in WA, so we were open to each other. We wouldn't let the cold country come in. So uh, we uh, did our own version of it over there at the Crown, which is where we've just come from with Chicago, actually. Big ass theatre. And, um, and it went nuts. I think it was a really good time. Everyone wanted to get mm-hmm. out and be together and we were mask free and all that stuff. So we were kind of, uh, it was just great. And I played Bernadette, which is a really great part because it's got all the all the good singing parts, got all the pathos, got all the hero moments. It was just, I had a ball and I was a beautiful looking woman. I was drop yep. dead freaking gorgeous. And okay. um, and I had a ball, just had a ball doing that. I wish, that was, I wish we did a national tour of it, but uh, wasn't to be, but there was a little window there where the eastern states people would come into into the west and my mother got to see me as a beautiful woman and had a proud moment at 93 years old yeah. seeing her son <laughs> completely frocked up just rocking it so it was great i'm glad she got the chance to see it before she passes on oh wonderful uh, just a fun fact the production photos of that show were done by vin tricariotis who yes. is a former metal musician turn opera singer and a guest of this show. Oh, there you go. Right. Yeah. Now, obviously, Chicago's physically demanding. So what is tougher, doing Chicago or The Amazing Race or I'm a Celebrity? Oh, out of those three? Um, oh, Chicago's not physically hard for me. I'm not in the ensemble. I don't move. <laughs> this is my big move. I just do this. Wait, I've, I've seen the show. You moved. I saw you jumping over the lights, you know, to get on off stage. I had to get that there. Quite a high thing. <laughs> lift my, my arthritic knee quite high over that. But uh, no, I don't raise a sweat at all. And I spend a lot of time backstage, you know, working in, on a new script I'm going to do in about a month's time and consequently have missed three cues <laughs> to get on stage <laughs> because I wasn't concentrating, which gets me a pretty bad rep amongst the peeps. But anyway, uh, it's just showbiz. We all survive. What else? And Okay, so the jungle was by far the hardest. But I wish we lasted longer in the amazing race because I was having a good time with my daughter and she's great company and we we're having a great time and seeing things you wouldn't. I don't, I'd say I'm not, uh, I don't have a connection with India where I really wanted to go. So I was just put there and, but I really loved it and loved the experience of it. But I wish we got deeper into the comp because we were, we were coming, you know, third, last, second, last. And you only get on screen if you're first or last. <laughs> so we kind of got lost in the cut. But it didn't matter. We were having a good time. And we had we got stayed on a bit further because we we're actually doing quite good work, quite funny work. We thought so anyway. <laughs> ourselves. We thought we were hilarious. <laughs> but none of it was seen. But uh, the jungle was brutal. 
that was brutal. So it was because it was constant and it wasn't the people think, I think that people imagine that we get taken to hotels at nighttime. No, it's all in the house. It's like camping with strangers for, for a six weeks. So it was a six week show then. It was a, I think we were the last of the six week runs. I think they went to four weeks after that. But the last two weeks to redo your heading where you start to really drop a lot of weight. And you, but you feel, I came out feeling so cleansed. I hadn't had a drink. I hadn't had a sugar. I hadn't had salt. I felt amazing when I got out and I loved it. I got used to staring at the ground and not thinking about anything. Yep. Wow. It was really good. Yep. Not a concern in the world. No one could touch me. Be careful there because you might give credence to all the health nuts who keep trying to ban sugar from everything for crying out loud. <laughs> stop it. You can't stop throwing the weight on there. Look at you. <laughs> I need it. Like, yeah, you need it. Take away all the good stuff and people like me are just going to wither away as if we were in a jungle, although we're in a house. Goodness gracious <laughs> me. But they've got three great experiences. Fantastic. Yeah. Especially Chicago at the moment. It's just a ball. It's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, given it's been running for something like 17 decades by this point, have they given <laughs> you any freedom to add any nuances to the character of Amos? Or is it like the show and the performances are set in stone and this is the product that we're delivering? Yeah. It's got a look and you're told where you stand and these are your moves. But just by nature of being a different human being from the other people who've done it, I bring something to it just by natural causes. I tend to operate things of finding where the character has, it's a bit of a pun, it's from Amos Hart. He has a lot of heart. And the people who come with the pro, with the, with the production, who help you direct into these, direct it in. So they've been with it since, I don't know, late 90s or something. <laughs> bit of a sad ass job, to be honest. But they <laughs> follow it around the world and make sure it's in. That looks the same, but um, just just by natural the natural behaviour of creativity, um, I've come up with something a little more heartfelt. So you can play him like a robot if you want. You can play him like non-associated, emotionally and detached kind of person who's who's meant to be kind of a non-character and invisible. But I sort of make him a bit more vulnerable and a little more um, likable across the board. So I have my favourite response is oh oh. People <laughs> feel sorry for me. Oh, that'd be cute. I'll take him home. <laughs> I like that. I like that they have an emotive response to it, not just pure laughter. So the, in that in that sense, I know it's worked. So I get that response a bit, and I get a lot big a big cheer when I leave because I sort of walk away, you know, just letting that world go and walking out a bit of a hero, which is sort of meant to be the case in the from the original idea, I think. Yeah, the night the night that I saw it in Brisbane recently, um, the audience absolutely adored you, as did I. Yeah, and it was lots of fun. And in your physicality, are you relatively tall? You seem tall. Yeah, right? I'm six two. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. And then when you extend your hands up above and then lean to the side and i was like oh he's gonna fall over he didn't fall over because you do this if you haven't seen the show he does this sort of michael jackson-y sort of tin man sort of thing i think it was originally done with that well with those planks where the guy could really lean whoever did the first version could do super super leans whereas i'm just on my feet so i'm literally not to fall over every night <laughs> but uh yeah but uh, that would have looked amazing having a having a super kind of whoa that going on but um no you do what you can with my own little tootsies yeah it's great it's a really simple choreograph though i've actually only got it right i'd never really got it right all the way through perth i probably halfway through brisbane season i can actually do it without buggering it up <laughs> but and i've also started I had a couple of bung notes, you know, the big note at the end of my song. I've only got one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I buggered it twice last week, along <laughs> with my late cues. <laughs> I had a rough week last week. <laughs> <laughs> New week this week. Come on. Restart, Peter. Professional. <laughs> yeah.
Dory, I did miss the cellophane when I was maybe 14 years old. I think my acting teacher gave it to me because I was a loud, obnoxious theater club. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, my pro I was not a Rachel Berry from Glee. Let's just say that. I, but I was <laughs> confident I wanted to make films and I was willing to put my hand up and stand up and all that. And I think it was an irony thing. I performed it twice, Peter. I fucked it up both times that I performed it. <laughs> Congrats. Because I could not sing. I couldn't sing, but I was oh. willing to. I put my hand up to do whatever I could to gain that experience. So Sure. I, I have no idea what you're talking about, though, because I've never seen the production. Oh, okay. Not not the revival. I've seen the movie, so I know the, the story. And the yeah, yeah, yeah. And all yeah. that. But obviously famously played by John C. Riley, who should totally come on this show. Oh, yeah, he totally will. I can feel it. <laughs> and uh, it, he did a weird mannequin thing in the film, didn't he? I didn't really see the film, so. Uh, yeah, clown. Yeah, clown. clowny kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is a choice. Sure. It's a filmic choice. A filmic choice. I went with the film. Yeah, it didn't really go yeah. with the song. So. Yeah. But anyways, um, Matt, you've got a question about Chicago and then we'll move on. Well, I do. I mean, we yes, I have lots of questions about Chicago, <laughs> but this particular one has to do with uh, my good friend, Asabi. Yep. Your dressing room is next to Mama G's. Yes, it is. So on a scale of one to ten, how much of a diva has Asabi been backstage? <laughs> I love you, Wasabi. That's so mean, Matt. How dare oh. you? She's not, she's not a diva. She's got a beautiful voice. I can hear a beautiful voice just floating out of her room every night, <laughs> singing songs. She sings cellophane and makes me embarrassed because I go, jeez, <laughs> that's how it should sound. That's a really good voice. But um, look, she's a beautiful person. She's lovely to be around and loves showbiz. She's a lover mm. of the beers. Yeah. So, uh, and is embracing her time in the sun. You know, she's, she's doing a great job. Definitely. I mean, I've known Asabi for quite a while, and it's nice to see her finally get her due as um, as a singer on the stage here. But but I did notice that um, but she stays on the stage a bit more than you, even when she's not singing. Like, you know how the chorus all sits in the, in the chair? Yeah. yeah, yeah, she does. I'm not allowed to be seen. Oh. I'm not allowed to be seen. But So when they're sitting in those chairs, they never look at me. They're not allowed to look at me. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why I kind of – there's one scene where um, – uh, Anthony Wallow's singing uh, the end of his opening song, All I Need Is Love, and I come on as the dancers leave. So I'm actually standing there during his last note, and it's meant to be this thing where I can, I'm just invisible to everyone all the time. I just come on at weird times. I don't know that's how, it's how it was choreographed originally. Yeah, so yeah, so no matter who's sitting in a chair, their eyes are never on me, and I try to distract them and you know, get in their grill. <laughs> it doesn't work no good actors it's like when the conductor can't sing well if you wore those assless chaps from the introduction you know hey, come on then people will be looking up then there's applause i object <laughs> it was classless chaps it's written down and that's what the words that came out of my mouth i know i have to listen back over yeah. and make sure but that's what i said all we heard was i that. hope godfathers all we heard we have a PR company listening this week. Goodness <laughs> gracious me. We have to do good. Anyway, so speaking of murder dolls, we're going to move on to the medal now. Well, here we go. Matt. Come on. Yes. So we this week we listened to and I reviewed uh, nope, murder. Nope, 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 No. Follow your script if you could pick. Speaking of. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, before I do that, <laughs> if you could, <laughs> I was like, it's so small, I can barely read it. If you could pick your, cr oh, great, okay, so we're talking about, <laughs> I'm I'm with you now. Okay, we'll go, is everyone with this people listening to this, you know? We, we printed these off so tiny, Pete, if you have a look, like, we can barely read them. Oh, no, I couldn't read that. Yeah. No, I couldn't read that. I've rejoined the conversation. So, yeah. yes. <laughs> so speaking of murder dolls and rock bands, and metal bands, etc. If you could pick your craziest, most over-the-top rock star rider, what would it be? What would be that thing about your rock star rider that would set you apart from everyone else? Oh, very good at not being anti-rock. I don't have any backstage requirements at all. But if you could, I ask for warm water. <laughs> Warm water, please. No, no, no. <laughs> no oh, God, no, alarm bells no, ringing. No, no it's I... okay. All right. I'll <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I'll change it for you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I put a ban on water a long time ago, I tell you that. A long time ago. So everyone would be like, bottled water, bottled water. Oh, cool water, warm water, iced water. Fuck the water. <laughs> we want your ultimate craziest. If you can, like, totally, if you walk away from there and people go, man, they were a diva. They needed lambs singing a choir of Ave Maria in, in your dressing room. That's what we want. Okay. I need tequila. I need a lot of tequila. Well, I need a good bottle of tequila. I need a $300 bottle of tequila straight off the bat, like a really good one. Yep. Awesome. No ice required because I'll drink it neat. Nice quality beer to go with that tequila to sort of you know, to hurry it down. If someone was going to be uh, really naughty and said, hey, who left this cocaine here? Come on. This is ridiculous. I would probably have that after. I wouldn't do it before work because uh, I'm a bit more sensible than that. Um, but uh, uh, that's about it. I don't think, you know, I'm not really, uh, you know, I'm 60, 61 years old. <laughs> you know, I'll probably have half a glass of tequila and go, oh, God, I've got to go home. <laughs> but no, I love tequila. That's my favourite drink. So, um, yeah, make sure some tequila's there and maybe uh, I don't even like snacks. I don't like snacks. I don't I hate eating before work. So, um, no, I can have tequila. That'll do. Yeah, it's not that wild. It's not that wild, I know. But you know, yeah, no, that's fine. It's a three hundred dollar bottle. It's it's a demand. Yeah, it's, that's it's it. Something. Thank it's, you. Yeah, thank you. That's it. It's not going to Liquorland for a no thirty dollar bottle. Can you even buy thirty dollar alcohol in Australia no. anymore? With no, you can't. No. Ridiculous prices. Asabi wanted kittens in her dressing room, so oh, maybe you could have maybe you could have God. a kitten serve the tequila for you. You diva. Wow. Sure. Have my tequila strapped to the back of a kitten. If that's <laughs> I can pick it up by its nice tummy and pour it like that. Have you had much experience with metal, heavy metal, glam metal, new metal, industrial metal, et al? I, I did some touring in the early 90s with a band called The Meanies. You know mm -hmm. The Meanies? Okay. And I did that. And I was, they were with The Gurge on The Gurgitator. It was on, they were on the same tour. And so we we toured a bit of country Victoria with them. I was doing comedy in between those bands. They're not as heavy as you might like. My eldest daughter, we went to Sound Waves, I think, in Perth. And she would have been 13, 14. So there was quite a lot of thrash bands on there that day, which I, I have no aversion to it. But then again, I'm not rushing to it. <laughs> it doesn't make me go, I'll tear it off. I can't understand what they're saying. I don't have that opinion. I quite like the tracks you sent me. I quite enjoyed listening to it because they were pretty funny. Especially one called Fuck. <laughs> fuck. It just says fuck the whole time. You sounded <laughs> just like my parents and Peter. Although usually they go, what is this shit? Turn this bloody <laughs> shit off. That's what I get if I listen to punk or, or anything. Yeah. No, I'm happy to listen to it. Yeah. It's great. Oh, awesome. I like the energy of it and I would like to know. I'd probably, 
I went and saw they're not these these are, are no in no way uh, heavy metal, but I went and saw Grinspoon recently. I nearly got to the mosh pit. I nearly did. <laughs> I got terrified because everyone's like 35 years old and they're really getting into it and being quite brutal in there. So uh and I have seen what's the name? Is it Parkside? Parks is there a band, big Australian band called Parkside. They're called Parkside. Park Avenue. Park Avenue. Oh wow. <gasps> 100 and something episodes of this show, I learned something. (laughs) But they just uh, had a fantastic uh, concert clip of them and they had those outrageous people running around in circles going like on on stampeding in front of them when they're on. Nuts, nuts. I would love to be involved in that if I was a bit younger. But with my wonky knee and all, I'll get trampled to death. Yeah, pretty much. I I was in a slam pit when I was... 15, 16, 17, 18 in the punk days. And we were like, I'm tiny. I'm you are a medium height. Like I am breakable. And I was already broken when I was (laughs) doing that shit, but it was all the alcohol that we were drinking. It was the, the $3 pints and stuff like that of alcohol, not the the $300 tequila. We we were, we were getting the jugs and the pints. So anyway, this week I chose murder dolls because I thought it sounded like they'd be locked up in the Cook County Jail. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so I picked the album Women and Children Last. So, Matt, you review the metal this week. Mm. I do, as as I often do, because I'm such a metalhead, um, <laughs> which is not true because I'm a total That's... musical theatre nerd. <laughs> yeah. Defeats the purpose of the show for you to be a metalhead and to review the metal. That's true. That's true. This is the, con- the concept of the show. Yeah, I should probably learn that after, uh, you know, being the host for a while. We haven't recorded in two months. That's true. It has been a little while. That's why you're a little rough around the edges at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm so filled with confidence after that comment, no, Peter. No, don't. No, you it's gotta, going great. It's Matt's, back, it's Matt's background and his lack of care about his his background that blows my mind. Look at that. Is he a student? I, I, yeah. I, live, I live in Outback Queensland. Like literally. Oh, do you? Put that, up, put that up especially for you. That's my favourite tablecloth. <laughs> that does, that does not no. worthy. I'm, I'm in this like bit that's been built onto the house and yes it's uh, yeah, I know there, you are. There, there's um <laughs> there's a shag carpet underneath me the same color as that curtain so it even feels hot to look at look like <laughs> all right yeah. let's let's talk about murder <laughs> murder dolls let's talk about murder dolls women and children last and whilst the musical chicago starts with the warning that this is a story of greed corruption violence exploitation and treachery the murder dolls women and children last album which coincidentally or not has the same color scheme of black, white, and red as Chicago does. Yes. It starts with the prologue scum, filth, anger, and greed walks along the side of me chaos, darkness on this violent binge. This is the world according to revenge. And as my knowledge of metal grows and grows, and I have now listened to about as many metal albums as I've hosted this podcast, which is probably, oh, I don't know, <laughs> maybe about 12, but that's okay. I am coming to the conclusion that Broadway musicals and metal albums are cut from the very same cloth. Mm. This is my theory. And as much as um, I like an off, and, and much like an off-repeated revisical, Murder Ball's list of musicians from Wind Slipknot's uh, Joey Jordison and Wednesday 13 started the band, has grown, stalled, been replaced, and been revived. And that was just in the beginning. Uh, that was just between their first album in 2002 and this album in uh, 2010. But I digress. 
I'm wondering what these young men's mothers thought when they heard lyrics like Chapel of Bloods. Now don't be afraid as I mutilate you with this blade. Your body <laughs> is lace in a pool of blood on display. But perhaps I'm being judgy? At least I could understand the words, so I am judging their diction and giving them decent marks. But then, of course, as if to answer my question, the very next song, Bored Till Death, presented me with the most repeated word on this album, and it's one of my favorites, which I used to say constantly during my time in New York. Well, I can't say the word due to obscenity standards on this podcast, but it rhymes oh, with shit. mother... You could say fuck. <laughs> but it rhymes <laughs> with mother plucker. <laughs> Just, oh, my God. Oh, that's a musical sensibility, not being able to say fuck. God, the song was <laughs> prolific. It was very good. It was a good song. I tried to do a count of, you know, the number of times that they um, that they said the word, but then I, you know, it seemed pointless, really. <laughs> I had said about six times in that song and then throughout the various other songs, but with the poetry of lyrics, like, I've got an obsession with Smith and Wesson, a gun for those of you who don't know. The album is sounding more and more like a musical to me, a little bit Rodgers and Hammerstein, mm. Oklahoma. This is followed by the banger Drug Me to Hell, followed by several other songs that offer kick-ass guitar, drums, and vocals. The storyline does not get any cheerier, but here on in with track titles including Summertime Suicide, Death Valley Superstar, and My Dark Place Alone, and Bloodstained Valentine. You know, I think we've got the point. Which brings us to my favorite track in the album, though, Pieces of You. The lyrics are decapitated. Next, I'll amputate all the things that I hate but there won't be anything left of you. Or, oh, she laughs and she cries and she begs for her life. Oh, how romantic. <laughs> it sort of sums up marriage perfectly, actually, when you love someone so much that you just want to cut their heads off and cause them <laughs> as much pain as possible. And with Valentine's Day coming up on 14th February, depending on when this uh, podcast drops, either in the future or in the past, I'd really consider giving this album to the person that is particularly special to you. One of the songs does quote Santa Claus is coming to town and another uses the lyrics super califragilisticexpialidocious. So if your sweetheart loves Hallmark Christmas movies or Disney films, there is no getting past this album for the romantic musical fan in your life. <laughs> okay. Perhaps. I think I got the gist of the album, which is that I'll mutilate and torture you, my darling motherfucker, but only if you really want me to. <laughs> so what was my overall impression? Well, it wasn't uh, the most enjoyable metal album I've ever listened to in the two years or so that I've been occasional host of Thrash and Treasure. But if metal is your thing, it is not a bad place to start. Uh, so the, like I said, the vocals and the drums and the guitars are pretty gas. So start at the very beginning, a very good place to start and give it a listen with headphones on if you live with mom and dad, or else they may be making a quick appointment with the therapist so you can work on your anger and horror <laughs> issues. Uh, I'd say three out of five stars for me. Nice book on middle of the road with that. I got three tracks in before I had to go to the Apple store and my whole life fell apart. <laughs> but um, I enjoyed, I was, in, I was on the train, I was listening to it on the headphones. I found it um, melodic. I found it quite an easy listen. I didn't find it a grind to listen to. And then because I, I was, I got through the fuck song, which I think is funny because it's just a funny concept because, you know, Billy Collier will talk about using the word fuck. It's just a great word, has a great sound, has a great, and it hits you as a, as a, as a, as a word and as a. Feels good to say. Has a beat to it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it was just, it was just, a, it felt like a novelty song, that song. But um, the early, the earlier sort of, you know, I'll cut you, blood you up. and But I found them quite lyricky, uh, quite comical. I find that. Funny. I don't find any of that intimidating. I find that 
hilarious. Yeah, well, not, I, not like I wasn't pissing myself. I wasn't like, oh, it was the best. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, it's cute. <laughs> you know, Whoa. it was camp. It's camp. That's what it is. It's camp. It's dark campness. It was. Well, yeah, it was very camp. Mm. Mm. Because uh, Wednesday thirteen, who um, is was is this. Uh, is he the singer? What does Wednesday 13 do? He, must, he certainly wrote some of the songs, uh, lead vocals, studio guitars, and bass. And he was in a band called something about a drag queen. <laughs> Frankenstein Drag Queens from Planet 13. Okay, was his cool. horror punk band from Charlotte, North Carolina. There you go. So <laughs> the guy's got a sense of humor and rolls with it. I like that. I like that, I like that a lot. I think it's good. I love that you printed off the Wikipedia page, Matt. <laughs> oh. That is hilarious. Hey. Yeah, no, okay, just a few notes on your review there. I love how you put a, a disclaimer about swearing, which is funny because it's only when I'm talking to you that I realise how much I swear because you don't seem to swear at oh. all, ever, mm-hmm. and I hear how much I swear. And every time I get off the phone to you, I'm like, Fuck, I swore a lot during that call. And again, uh, Ian, I'm so sorry for all the language in the show. And also the album choice, I picked these at random. I was trying to be thematic. I was trying to be smart. You said the the colour scheme of the album. That is what you call appeasing the PR company. I was very smart about the decision. I just didn't know the content of the album itself, (laughs) which is part of the joy of this game. And I think why PR companies are maybe hesitant to work with us. I don't know. I think there's a there's definitely a there's a relationship between the the darkness and Chicago, without doubt. It there was, color scheme yeah. died. There was, yeah. Um it, it just it was very camp. I got that. It was comical. I thought there was it was pretty crossover. I think they were going for stadium choruses, summertime suicide and nowhere I found myself singing along out of nowhere. So I therefore want my own summertime suicide now because I'm literally singing along to metal with like after a couple of listens. It wasn't after 20 listens this time. It was literally after two or three listens. Those lyrics were so radio friendly, I guess, in a way. It did come across a little bit as novelty, yes. Now, if they were trying to be serious, this album come across as very dorky. If they were trying to be camp and fun and silly, then I totally have fun with it. So it's it really is a difference between two and a half and three stars here for me because if they're trying to be serious they end up dorky then two and a half stars edging to two but if not then a three because that fun was there despite these horrible lyrics which i'm so sorry but if it was trying to be serious then i do hate it so i don't really know and i can't ask without offending I don't I don't think it was. I mean, I've seen some videos, uh, some interviews with them as well. And, you know, it's always the makeup and the hair for their I think it was their first album. They did these sort of like trailers, sort of like comedy horror sort of trailers. And one of them was like, it, I think it was Wednesday 13 was dressed up and doing a cover of White Wedding by Billy Idol. And he sort of like hijacked um, an American idol or an Australian idol sort of like audition sort of ties up the girl and sort of like goes out (laughs) and takes their place. So I think it's, I think there's a lot of fun. I think these are people that love, um, that obviously love music, but also just love that sort of horror genre and playing around with that horror genre and making it entertaining. Which is still pretty nerdy. I think that, I think it's a quite a nerdy fan base anyway. You know, I don't think this. I agree. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I say I'm a musical theater nerd, but then the more and more I learn about metal, I'm like, well. <laughs> yeah, hang on a second. That's where the dark squares are. Yeah. <laughs> the dark squares. 
That's no, that's that's absolutely right. Uh, just one other thing, they've got another album beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls. If we can ever get <laughs> Tony Award-winning actor James Monroe Iglehart back on the show, we had him on for one of the, the greatest episodes ever. His dad, right? His father is in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh wow! So if we can ever get him back on the show, we're gonna have to do that album, I think, with him. And cover these guys again. Now, one thing I noticed, there was joy in the music. They were having fun playing. It wasn't just that the music was fun itself. You heard the fun. But I thought the singing was a bit cliche and a bit, what you would expect from metal music. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not reinventing uh, the genre in any way. Not reinventing the wheel. No. Yeah, it was interesting as well, uh, just in doing some re- research on it um, and watching some footage of them doing the big day out. Uh, I think that was in 2003, just sort of like their popularity uh, because it's sort of a Los Angeles based band in their popularity in Japan or in Australia, as opposed to, you know, how it sort of went over. But they were also yeah. playing, you know, like in other big bands like, you know. Yeah. So it was it seems like a really fun sort of band of people that like have their regular gigs and then they're like, oh, let's do this really let's do this again because we had fun doing a niche thing. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Mm. Jam session almost. And now if you could give it a score out of five, Peter, what would you give it? What would... I'm going with that. I, I think it surprised me because I don't listen to that sort of style of music much, especially in that that kind of end. But I, I like the theatrical nature of it. I like I did like the vocals because I didn't expect anything different from the vocal. I thought that's what it's going to sound like, and it did. Yep. And uh, it was more melodic than I thought, and it was funnier than I thought. So I'm giving it. I'm giving it a four out of five. Oh wow! I have no, I have no base to work off. This is my. So I'm yeah. just starting high. Why not? Wow. Why not start high? Brilliant, brilliant. I love doing this show. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> it's just this show never ceases to amaze me. How I guess come in and embrace the music when some will obviously not. Some would get turned off. Yeah. It really depends on what we've given them. Uh, but it looks like the murder dolls have gotten twenty to life, so we're going to go slay and have break. From the producers of Thrash and Treasure, Around the World in 80 Plays, starring the adorable Lizzie B and Alfie Parker, and featuring the star of the show, Dolly the Dog, they'll take you for a trip around the UK, exploring the rich arts and cultural history of the UK and Northern Ireland. Here is a sneak peek. Welcome back to the second leg of Around the World in 80 Plays. I'm Alfie Parker and that's Lizzie B. And we're joined as always by our four-legged friend, Dolly the Dog. After a two-month break from brand new episodes, we've boarded the bus for Bradford on the eighth stop of the Sister Act UK and Ireland tour. Lots of Bradford love. Lots of Bradford loving. (laughs) Uh, Now, moving on to the tour. This week we've been filming in the Alhambra, as I said, and I believe this is 
Lizzie's moments to shine, to give us an insight. Are you going to yawn all the way through it this week? Yeah, well, yeah, last episode I was yawning a lot. This week, I think I'll yawn. Are you going to interrupt me throughout? Oh, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. Let's see how it goes. If anything really shocks me and I'm like, whoa, then maybe I'll, like, exclaim. Oh, I can't wait. Right, so, as Alfie said, we are at the Bradford Alhambra Theatre, and I personally, this is one of the nicest theatres in the UK, which always makes it worth going to Bradford. I'm having a lovely time. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. But I've had quite a cold experience there before because I've always stayed in hotels, like just bog-standard hotels. As you said, walked 30 seconds to work, walked home. So I haven't gone out or done anything like that. But this time I'm having a totally different experience. But talking of the theatre, basically my point was the theatre is so nice. So here's my information taken from good old wikipedia here we go the theater was built in 1913 oh and it was built by the architects chadwick and watson of leeds not to be mistaken with sherlock holmes and watson holmes sherlock holmes this is gonna lead on to another thing which alfie always takes a <laughs> mick out of me for because everyone says sherlock holmes but it's got an l in it so i think it should should be sherlock holmes no, you think it should be Sherlock Holmes. That's not what I say. That is what you say. I say Holmes. No, you say Holmes. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Lizzie says Sherlock Holmes. I don't. Right. I say Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I hate you so much. Well, oh, dear. Yeah, well, there you are. Word in. I actually say it right. Uh, Lizzie's totally right, but it's a silent... See, it's a silent thrill. So it's not Holmes, it's Holmes. It's a silent L, isn't it? No. It's not silent. Might be. Sherlock Holmes. Moving swiftly on. Uh, it was opened by theatre impresario Francis Laidler. And before you ask... <laughs> Sorry, carry on. I actually don't even know why I bother. No, I'm Are you taking it. any of this in? Who was it opened by? Francis Laidler. Right. Before you've asked, I haven't researched him any further, but if anyone would like to... <laughs> Who is he then? A theatre impresario. That's, they said that about me. Theatre extraordinaire. Theatre extraordinaire. Shout out to Jeremy Seckham. <laughs> my, yeah. my OG theatre extraordinaire. <laughs> if anyone knows how you become a theatre extraordinaire, please let us know. I think... I think, I think I'm on track. I think I could... Of course you are, dear. Right, more facts for you. The large domed turrets are iconic in the Bradford skyline. And they actually are. Yeah, they are. So... Better play. It's got 1,400 seats. Is that it? Oh, sorry. No, it sucks because it feels so much bigger. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. what she said. <laughs> yeah, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem a lot big. Do, do you get what I mean? Yeah. yeah you do. All right, 1,400 seats. Can't mind the Bradford Alhambra. Call me the Alhambra. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a cool fact. It was the main location, like the set, on the film The Dresser, 1993. They remake that. Yeah. No, it was a play. It's been a play recently, but the film uh, with, um, what's it called? Mooney. Alfred Mooney. Is that his name? Daddy Warbuck. Oh, I don't know. With a quick Google. Talk amongst yourselves.
And we're back with Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron. That's future zombie Matt Young. Hey. And we've headed over to Fountain Lakes because we're joined by the incomparable comedy legend Peter Rosethorn. Oh, pleasure. With Chicago currently running in Brisbane, then Melbourne in March. Now, before we move on to the musical, we're not going to ask much or talk really about Kath and Kim because obviously you guys... That's all right. We've had people from, you know, Firefly. They get asked mm. all the time, when's Firefly coming back? When's Firefly coming back? When's Firefly back? Or when are you getting a sequel to this? When are you getting a sequel to this? Fans, stop that shit. But all I want to <laughs> say is that when I, uh, when that first season was on and I was doing acting school at the time, my acting teacher, the night or the day or weekend or whatever that the, the wedding episode was on, Great episode. Best episode there was. Well, she came and told me that she was an extra on set that day. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. And that her nose mm-hmm. walked past the camera. <laughs> I've watched that episode 20 goddamn times. She's full of shit. I have not seen her <laughs> nose anywhere. I saw her nose every weekend for eight years. Trina, I love you, but your nose was not in that show. Sorry. So I thought I should bring it up with someone who was sure. the show. Okay. <laughs> That works. I didn't notice the nose either, to be honest. Exactly. Um, yeah, but that was that was the best episode out of all the series and all the and the film. That was that was the one. That was the best one. Yeah. In my in my Velcro's. You know, there's lots of great bits, but that as a whole episode, that was the best one. Yep. Awesome. Oh, wonderful. Hey, we, we won't Brilliant. bog you down with questions about Catholic. Well, no. Now, speaking of, but speaking of other, you know, shows with two leads, Roxy and Velma in Chicago, <clears throat> who, which one of you would you be, Roxy or Velma, and who would Anthony Warlow be? Out of, I'm just imagining Anthony doing, Anthony probably leans more towards being a Velma, but he's got clicky hips, he could never do it. You <laughs> 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 can't do a cartwheel, I can't do a cartwheel either, so it's going to look ridiculous, but I think I would be Velma and he would be What's her name? Lucy. Roxy. <laughs> Roxy. <laughs> yeah, Roxy. I think so. Yeah, because I think Roxy's sing is a bit harder and he's got a great voice and I think right, he'd be able right. to sing. He sings. Go how, how well does he sing, Billy Flynn? Oh, he just sings it, it so was, beautifully. It was heavenly. Oh. It was so oh, good. Wow. He's yeah, so I mean, beautiful. I, he was, he was a, he's very charming in that role, very charming in that role. That is one set of pipes. Yeah, yeah. Mm, beautiful. Mm. Yeah. But uh, look, I, I loved watching it because I was on the floor. I was Amos doesn't do anything. He's never on stage. So to see that, I hadn't really seen Chicago prior to doing the musical. And I'd seen little glimpses of the movie of the daughters are watching or something. Well, I said, oh, Chicago, it's great. Whatever. And so I just kind of, I was seeing it live every day. And it was just, I loved watching the girls on the floor. They were really, they were really good. And I think uh, obviously Lucy was more match fit because she'd been doing Mary Poppins and had sat in that world for longer. And then um, Zoe would come from my world, would come from a different kind of a telly angle, but obviously had a skill base there as a dancer and and probably, and it's obviously sing. Yeah, it's, it was just interesting to watch. And it's, and because you're, when you're sitting in production, you can feel it getting tighter and better and better and better. Whereas suppose when I did Rocky Horror Show years and years ago, it kind of unwound. We got too loose at it and just got long and we bogged ourselves down with extraneous humour and, you know, just you know, just making it about us, which is ridiculous. But um, this is runs like a tight machine. It's got to run at a certain click. And uh, we've sort of got it in that zone at the moment. And if those, those girls control all that, they control that rhythm and that tempo. And uh, along with the ensemble, of course, who are incredible. But, um, yeah, interesting. Great to watch them. Great fun. Right. So, so the wigs didn't influence you in any way whatsoever, or Lucy's wig didn't influence you in any way. <laughs> well, you see, 
I had a beautiful wig as Bernadette, which I think is better than any of the wigs I see in front of me. So yeah. uh, I, you know, I rocked out a beautiful Bernadette wig. But I like my favourite wig. I've got a few favourites. I love the one. It's a girl called Scout. He has the uh, part where she says, he ran into my knife 10 times. And that part. She's got a beautiful kind of Carol Brady. It's got a little fleck through it now. So they've worked on it a bit. It's sort of like a bob. It's a little bit longer than a bob. Yeah. But the show itself is a corker. I don't go for the wigs, though. I wouldn't go to see a show for any wig. I wouldn't care if you're doing Amadeus. I still wouldn't go for the wigs. <laughs> I care about them. What about hair? Oh, haven't got any. It's falling out. Another thing I have to do was grow the, what little is left of my hair out because Anthony Warlow's totally bald and I couldn't have two bald guys on. <laughs> so I have to get all... I have to get this wispy shit going because Warlow's makes me fucking get shitty hair, fucking hair. I hate him. Get some hair, Warlow. And they didn't want, and they didn't want people to uh, you know mix you up on the way out of the stage door either. <laughs> exactly. You know, almost identical when we're both bald, except I'm a foot taller <laughs> and I'm brown. <laughs> So we're going to move along really, really, really quickly and we're going to move on to the musical. This week, legendary Aussie PR guru Ian Phipps chose the album. So after I've annoyed him with hundreds of invites in the past, I thought now we get to prove ourselves. So I immediately said, yes, anything you want, Ian, we will we will do this musical. So I'm reviewing the musical this week. So I'll jump straight into that because apparently I am a glutton for punishment. When I was first given Ride the Cyclone, it was after spending my Christmas break playing Planet Coaster, which made me look over my shoulder and wonder if I'm in the Truman Show again. Anyways, I passed through the Spotify turnstiles and hopped on the ride, wanting nothing more than to tell the truth about this musical. But unfortunately, the carnival set me to family fun mode. Those motherfuckers. Admittedly, I coasted through the opening tracks, including the heavy meta dialogue from the all-seeing seer, Karnak, whose tongue-in-cheek reference of this being a boring dialogue track didn't make me laugh. However, I can imagine the TikTok fandom this show has clocked over the past few years would love it. Next up, we have some Jane Doe deer, a female deer who happens to have lost her head on a roller coaster. But how? Did a goose fly into her nose? Or something more, Final Destination 3. So here we have a murder mystery, and after watching all six screams recently, still wondering about that Truman Show. Anyways, things really pick up for me once a single lady knocks us for six with what the world needs, introducing herself as the bee's knees. The cat's pyjamas with a funky song which would have been a huge hit for Billy Piper in 1999. Absolutely no shade at all. This is a jam. Anyways, we're introduced to our suspects, or are they victims? I can't quite tell, but I won't lose my head about it. Each is introduced through a different genre, obviously a trope we've explored before, and here could use some connective tissue or motifs to bring this eclectic mix about 10% closer together than what it is. But each is written and delivered with a knowing wink and a touch of whimsy that is able to transfer off the record for the most part. And I can only hope with this intriguing mystery at play that this musical charcuterie is only strengthened in live performance, perhaps with threads or motifs missing from this non-world premiere, non-concept recording. Although I'm slightly lost with plot, each expertly crafted song manages to sweep me up in its whirlwind and leaves me wanting to hop on the ride again. If, for one slight issue, I found it more of a mystery with comedic elements that maybe I'm too old for, as the humour felt too esoteric. Like, it'll read to its obsessive fans, 
but maybe not the average audience member who isn't in the know, and nor should they have to be. So for that, three and a half stars. There's so much intrigue that a few inversions and a steep drop may have put more of a smile on my face. Question. Are they, are they, are they, are they actual songs? Like, you know, top 40 songs? Or are they actually songs that just sound like top 40 songs? They just sound like... Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not like I, Juliet, that uses, literally uses other people's songs. No. Oh, okay, no. cool. So they're just done in that familiar sound, pop sound. Yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it does need to tighten the screws a little bit. So listen to me telling other people where their work is wrong. Anyways. That's your job. As a, that's your job as a critique, though, isn't it? That's what yeah, you do. true. Good idea. You're allowed to be mean if you want, you know. Yeah, I, I, always, I never want to be mean for the sake of being mean. I always need to back it up with this is how I think it could be fixed. And look, no one has to take my opinions at all. Mm-hmm. You tell me to mm-hmm. fuck off. There is such the meat of a great show here that I feel like the outer shell was a little bit cracked for me. Does that okay. make sense? Was it was it the writing? Was it the writing? Or was it the script? Or is it just all about the songs? No, it's it, it, purely in the genre. It was okay. purely in the genre of the, like the sound of it. Because one time you're going from a '70s chill sort of rock song, like something that Manfred Mann or the yeah, Hollies yeah. would have released. Then you're going through something that sounded like maybe Taylor Swift would release it as a crossover country hit. Okay, yeah, a pop hit. So. Like the the last album was a bit crossover. This one was too much. Right. So it's it's a genre thing there. I think that when you're bringing that pop radio sound onto the stage, it takes it away a little bit from a musical identity in in the sound. Did you watch it? No. Do you think it maybe it just needs to use be in it to be actually watch it? Yeah, and that's why I yeah. thought I would enjoy it more seeing it because of the story. It's a murder mystery. No, no, I'm just going to say I'll be the total devil's advocate to that review and say that I was, you know, drawn in from the word go. The, they, they like that Zoltan or whoever the um sort of fortune teller is. There's all this like chatting on the album, which, of course, my husband hates anything when there's chatting on the album. But it's really witty and it sort of crosses the line and it sort of reaches out to the audience, whatever. But I mean, but I was all for it. And I mean, and I like the story, like the storytelling. It made me really want to see the show. It made me. Really, That's really good. want to see a physical show, um, because and then there's like because there's this there's this song where um, where the guy sort of describes what it would be like if he had been a French prostitute back in the day, and then there's um, and there's the auto tune song and all this sort of stuff. So I mean, I thought it was quite clever. I mean, it's Canadian, so you know Canadians have a. Uh, they have a sense of humor as well um, that, you know, <laughs> maybe doesn't translate to, to you, Aaron. But uh, but having grown up in North America, I was yeah. um, I was really digging it as well. Yeah. And I mean, and I think it's like I kind of really appreciated towards the end of the album as well, how it sort of goes. It, 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 it one of the characters hasn't really said much. And then all of a sudden, you know, she really gets to tell her story. And um, yeah, and I appreciated that, too. So I thought like there was dramatic tension in that as well. So, I mean, I'm a, quite a fan uh, at first listen of of this um, of this album. But um, but I thought it was heaps of fun. And I know also my son who because a lot of people might be familiar with this album from through TikTok, apparently. I mean, I'm not on TikTok, so what do I know? I'm like, you know, I'm some middle-aged guy, <laughs> some middle-aged guy. But but my son, you know, who who was not really a musical person, um, that's how he knew about Six. Um, that's how he knows about a lot of musicals. Yeah. And so, Ride the Sun, 
yeah, ride the cyclone, I think is one of those things that, and I, and they, I don't even think they constructed their sort of TikTok following. It was sort of like this song sort of came out and then all of a sudden people were like, what is this? And then this uh, fanatical fandom. I mean, again, we were talking earlier about uh, with murder dolls or with, uh, with, you know, this horror rock genre as being a bit niche. I think that this is, this sort of actually fits uh, straight into that and it covers some of those same macabre and sort of uh underworld sort of themes um that we've been talking about with chicago as well so i reckon yeah i'm excited to see it <laughs> in plot though in plot i don't think in sound it did because it was too disjointed in genres and it's, po- it's entirely possible to do a mix of genres and have a fully conjoined show look at joseph and his amazing technique Technicola, there's no you. Technicola, Dreamcoat. It's, it's American. What's there's no you because it's a, a brand name. I went through, remember Eurovision, they did the Aussie song Technicolor, but they put a U in it, like making us look stupid to the world. Thank you very much. Anyways, sensitive error that we did. Sorry, I ranted about that for weeks, Peter. Poor thing. Sure. She, just, she did her best. She did her best. And there's this asshole bragging that there's a you in it. Anyways, I'm shutting up. Um, no, I, I, I just thought, yeah, in sounds that package wasn't sold in this album. Right. In story, yes. I love a good murder mystery. That's all right. You know, I love it. I literally have the scream mask sitting right next to me. That's how obsessed with horror movies I am. But it, it, it's it's sort of more of a cat's it's sort of more of a cat's sort of or a chorus line sort of thing where it's really a competition about you know like who's going to be the one chosen to go to the other side. So I so I'll give it uh, again I'll give it leeway in terms of uh, plot or dramatic forward motion because it is this competition for you know all these people to sort of uh, be chosen and and they have to choose one of them they have to choose each other so it's sort of like I, well, I don't know how you get voted off. Um, Stubborn to get me out of here if you get voted off the island. But, you know, there's that element of um, of competition, which I think audiences love. I mean, that's why shows like um, Cats are popular or Chorus Line. Possibly. And the Hunger Games. Hunger Games, great. Is that a musical? No, but it, it technically is with a Chorus Line when you think right. about it. Okay. <laughs> right. okay. Sorry. It's going to be, actually. It will be a musical. Someone's writing it at the moment, apparently. I bet they are. I bet they are. Yeah, so look, uh, uh, the show intrigues me. And I love theme parks as well, like actual theme parks, like Disneyland, yeah. not just so do I. carnivals. Yeah, I want mm. a themed park. Mm. Okay. I will, I want to see it. I didn't even listen to it. I want to see it. Uh, well, there you go. Just because you have differing opinions. Well, there you yeah. go. That's And that's our job mm. here on Thrash and Treasure. To that's right. Spark debate. Yeah. Exactly right. Yes, yes, what a debated boss. <laughs> I find the whole thing like really charming. I can only judge this by the album because I haven't seen a pro shot and I haven't seen the production, although obviously it's going to be premiering. Yeah, that's exciting. At the Hayes Theatre Company, is that what it's called? Yeah, Hayes Theatre. I guess it's called, do they call themselves company? Hayes Theatre. Yeah. Hayes Theatre Co. Yeah, yeah. I know, that should be, I mean, it should be very exciting. It's yeah. a good, got a good production team, uh, Richard Carroll and Victoria Falconer, um, who do wonderful work. So this should be really exciting. Yeah, so yeah, it's going to be at Hayes Theatre Co. Uh, yeah, it's a great little theatre. Um, I've actually done a couple of shows there uh, before it was the Hayes. 
<laughs> I've never done anything at the Hayes. Hayes, hire me. Um, yeah, but it's a great little theater. And I think for a for a show like this, I think it's going to be a really perfect space for it, actually. Really? Mm. You wouldn't want to see the roller coaster on the stage? No, small ensemble cast. Um playing you know sort of well playing multiple roles i suppose but they're playing their roles but they all sort of fill in for the chorus as well so i think it will be lots of fun well that's yeah like i i'm such a big fan of theme parks and all that and as i had said i'd been playing planet coaster i was actually in a musical called a haunted taxi ride at la mama in new york when i was really young um i don't think it had any relation to ride the cyclone whatsoever but it was about a haunted taxi ride at a theme park. Oh wow! <laughs> I played a ghost. I was a dancer in it. I was oh, a ghost. That's like that. Um, what was it? That superstar limos ride or something that was that? Was it like that? I've never heard of that, but maybe yeah, possibly yeah. at Disneyland that they took it away. It had like Drew Carey and Whoopi Goldberg and all the celebrities from the nineties in caricatures. Uh huh. Superstar Limo, I think it was called. It was it like that because those caricatures looked haunted. I can't remember. I just remember it was sort of a love story. You know, there was a boy and there was a haunted taxi ride. And there was a girl that he was trying to, you know, woo. It was very innocent. This guy was, um, yeah. Anyway, a singer for the the Hufflepuffs or the Huffle Waffles or some some sort of acapella group at Yale. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I digress. Back to ride the cyclone. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, anyways, where is my segue? Cause I'm going to throw us to an ad break and, um, where is my segue? Well, it looks like the carnival is over. Come through Judy D as we seek out an ad break. Do you get those references, Matt? Yes. Judith yes. Durham. Seekers. Oh, very good. We do not need to call immigration. The carnival is over. over. This will be our last goodbye. See? Didn't she die recently? Yeah, she did. Oh, yeah. did she? Yeah, beautiful voice. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful voice. voice. Mm. Anyways, g'day, listeners. Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. Landing with a thud that echoes throughout the whole cottage, Toniston instantly rips off the manky shoes gifted to him by Milford and tosses them into the corner behind a blue barrel. Without a second thought, the bully races down the hallway to the backmost room of the house and leaps behind his uncomfortable makeshift hay bed, then waits, and waits, and then waits some more, until finally, what seems like an eternity later, Muffled growls start vibrating through the thin walls of Cubpaw's cottage. He tries to control his breathing, but his heart is racing way too fast. Toniston ducks down further. Nothing should be able to see him, but he can't be sure they won't smell him. 
The gruff growling grows louder. Toniston presses his ear against the cold, chipped, chalky wall. He thinks he can make out phrases like, Where is it? And, Give us the merge. Though not much else. It's all too mumbled, and he's shaking too much. But it doesn't matter anymore. The front door of the cottage slams open with a harder, louder, cracking thud than it ever had before. A dozen or so stomping footsteps enter. The cottage shakes uncontrollably as if it is as terrified as our friend the bully is. Toniston panics. He's trapped in a corner with a slew of sharks on his trail. He makes a sudden rash decision. Ripping aside the thick animal hide curtain, Toniston leaps through the small oval-shaped window headfirst, landing on a crate filled with hay sitting outside it. Mustering every ounce of manliness, he has not to react verbally as he lands with a crunch on the sharp, pin-like hay. It pierces his skin in several places, but thankfully, in his panicked state, the bully becomes numb to the pain. Counting his blessings, but not his chickens, Toniston struggles out of the crate by throwing his legs over and levering himself up, causing the coral underneath his feet to snap. He loses balance and tumbles. To describe the pain of tumbling face first down a steep hill of hard, sharp, deadly shaped coral would require far too many swear words than this author would be allowed to publish. So let's just say it hurt a lot. With one last somersault, Toniston's legs fly first over the cliff's edge. Crunch. His left hand grabs hold of the outmost jagged knob of coral. The stocky body of the 10-year-old child sways rapidly back and forth like some sort of death-defying pendulum. He gasps for air, or from shock, not even Toniston can tell. All he knows is above him, a deadly coral cliff and deadlier sharks. Below him, larger, sharper coral under a sea of giant, sharp spikes of natural metal. His head throbbing and vision too blurred with bright red splotches to be able to see clearly for too long. His face is dripping with blood. It runs down his shirt front, tickling him in the process. But all he can do is swing there. It's moments like these that a boy really needs his mum. Unfortunately, while Toniston's life hangs in the balance, on earth his life was dishonestly being celebrated by all at Gumbire Primary School after news of the bully's disappearance had spread like wildfire through the tiny town, then onto the music industry before eventually reaching the wider world. Rock music fans, specifically those of Muzzletop, had flocked to the outskirts of Melbourne, leaving wreaths, band posters, and hand-drawn tributes to honour the missing son of their favourite singer. Although none of them knew the boy, many had seen him standing on the side of the stage of the band's concerts alongside Tina. Also, at the time of his disappearance, hundreds of the world's entertainment media lined the streets outside the school and sadly, outside Tina's house. Wanting any word they could get their greasy hands on, the gossip came in thick and fast as snide, bored neighbours took it upon themselves to speculate and make up stories for their five minutes of fame. Inside the house, the phone ringing 10, 15 times a day from nosy TV stations, hounding the poor, terrified mother, there was no escape. And whilst Tina was never polite in her declination, still they persisted. Call me again and I'll punch you in the nose, she promised. The school's principal, Mr. Patterson, had himself realised how cold and nasty it would look if Toniston Turnbull's former victims didn't at least pretend to mourn his disappearance. And thus, with an added paranoia of becoming a suspect, 
Mr. Patterson set out to overcompensate with memorials and dedications to the boy who touched all our lives with his love of animals. Mr. Patterson felt satisfied his school's image was intact. The largest memorial from the school came in the form of a service in the gymnasium. With every student, teacher, news reporter and local police in attendance, Mr. Patterson sought to show the world just how much Toniston had meant to the school. The service would have made the bully puke. From the awful school choir butchering his least favourite songs to the obnoxious releasing of the white doves, Mr. Patterson may have been satisfied his memorial service paid tribute, but Toniston is far too cynical for that. And yet, whilst hundreds of people sat on the cold plastic seats in the Gumbaya Primary School Auditorium, not one person in attendance truly knew Toniston when he was around. But all alone, in her large house, the animals all shunned outside, Tina Turnbull sits with her umpteenth glass of wine, ignoring the umpteenth phone call from friends, fans and family, but most sad of all, wondering, for the umpteenth time, what she could have said to her only child to have brought the two of them closer together. A now broken photo of Trent Turnbull and an infant Toniston only hours after his birth sits at her feet under the table. Tina simply doesn't care about the million tiny shards of glass cutting up her feet. She just wants her son back. And as if joined at the soul, while dangling from the lavender-coloured dead coral cliff face, somewhere in his head voice, Tina's cries are heard by the boy. His face scrunches up, but then it relaxes. I can do this. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Uh, we're back with Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron. That's Matt, the Quizmaster, and we're about to do the Cell Block Tango with current Chicago Aussie tour star Peter Rosethorn. Now running until the cast is let out on good behaviour. So let's prolong that with some questions about your hopes and dreams for the future. So, what is one normal everyday thing that everybody else seems to be able to do perfectly fine, but you fail miserably at? Gee, I'm pretty good at everything. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is difficult. Uh, being humble. <laughs> Humility. Being humble. Yeah, look, I, um, I like to be make people uh, feel good all the time. And when I can't do that, I, I hide. You know, I get a bit, um, I get a little bit uh, uh, chicken. I get a bit chicken of, of confrontation. Mm. I don't like confrontation very much. Mm. I think it was from my childhood. Yeah. Mean dad, mean dad, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, that maybe that's that's kind of a bit heavy. Um, what else? I'm not very good at money, terrible, I'm good at spending it, not very good at saving it. I, you know, you know, really, my bank account looks like Matt's backdrop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is shade. <laughs> Same colour as your shirt, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, inside didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. It's very Aussie. Like, it's very so Aussie, Aussie outback. You're like, you're so looking, like, you're yeah. definitely butt-fucking. Yeah, I, I, I'm in Black Hole, yeah. Queensland. I'm, like, in 1,600 people live here. So, you know. <laughs> uh, anywho, <laughs> yes. Have you learned much about the real people um, which Chicago is based upon? 
didn't know until I got the program. <laughs> oh, that's a real story. So that's all I know so far is from, from the program and watching the show. So uh, but it makes it actually validates the show a lot for me. I go, oh, it's not just something someone's made up because it, it follows a decent storyline of uh, real humans. It gives it a bit of cred, a bit of street cred. I like that. Mm-hmm. And if you could add um, one sound to the cell block tango, you know, with um, six swish and all that sort of business, yeah, what would the sound be, and what would the story be behind it? Do you have a merry murderess's sort of story that you'd like to add in there? Yeah, like chop, okay, chop, chop, where where someone's just gone bananas with some sort of tomahawk and just bludgeoned <laughs> the small child. Too much murder dolls for you, Peter. So too much murder. So too much murder dolls. <laughs> maybe just bludgeon the husband, just as a clean shot to the head, for some unknown reason, like you know, like they do in the show. They haven't got very good reasons. A lot of them killing their husbands, <laughs> especially Roxy. Yeah, I don't know. So it's going to be yeah. great. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. What's yours, mate? Mine would be the word should, because I should. I don't like people using the word should, especially around my cooking. So somebody oh. would, so my husband would probably come in and say, you should do this. Oh, you're one of those people. Oh, wow. To, to make your, to make your pasta sauce even better. And then I take up the skillet and bonk. people like you are why i'm so careful about not telling someone they should do anything and instead uh perhaps you could do this thing do you have one aaron yes moo 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 and it's about an amish woman who trained her cow to sit and squash her husband wow while he's milking it it thinks so hard that would fit perfectly. You have two months to think about that. That's not fair. That uh, would fit perfectly. We, we, we have had time to think about it. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> moo, 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 should, should, chop, chop, chop. Yeah, which is the sound of moo, a hatchet should, cutting chop. into the shoulder and the flesh and the bone and. The, That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think Sorry, they use all that. You'll have to. You'll have to. Do, you know, talk to the production and see if we can just add those in you know sure <laughs> to call new york get out to <laughs> four thousand people to get to the... <laughs> we'll move on because you have got oh you're working with this amazing cast as you your whole career has been filled with bloody working with amazing people and goodness gracious and you're now on my show what the hell uh anyways which of this current aussie cast anthony waller aside because mm. we've already picked on him enough uh and please come on my show, Anthony, because it would be such an honor. Uh, could uh, c- which of them could you see being poached by Broadway for the long-running revival as Queen Kaz O'Connor had been after her Aussie run? She, did she get? Did she? Did she get poached and taken to New York, Carolina? Mm-hmm. Did she really? Or wow, London? She would have been. She would have been great. Yeah. She definitely she's, did New York. She's so wonderful. Right. Yeah, she's brilliant. Please come back on my show, Caroline. Gee, there's a lot of ensemble members who are, are really solid, really strong. Asabi could probably hang it in New York, I reckon, in something. Um, Lucy, yeah, look, Lucy's a really good all-round package. She's got a beautiful set of pipes and can move. Uh, and she's got a good, nice sort of sense of comedy, I reckon. Lucy's got a nice sense of it. So she's yeah, she's a bit of a trip quadruple threat, Lucy. So I'm going to say Lucy. Yeah. Out of this mob. Yeah. Right. And possibly, probably a couple of ensemble members who are, who are, you know, dark horses. 
Could you understudy any of the musicians in the band or more specifically, um, one of the features of Chicago is the big band. Do you play instruments? It sounds like you do from what you said earlier, um, because you've conquered every other aspect of the industry. So are you going to join the Chicago band? No, I can't play anything. I can't. I play a little bit of guitar, but I, I can. No, I don't play anything at all. I, I marvel. At, I'm a terrible guitarist. I don't know how to. I, I can play chords, but I, I have the terrible rhythm hand. So I, I get depressed that I can't do it. It's annoying. So no, I'll be. I'll just balls it up. There's not a chance. I did the recorder? Is there a recorder in the band? Probably not. Played recorder. At Please, thank God. I hope not. Oh, I hope there's <laughs> not a recorder. Load in a theremin. The ther- <laughs> is it the theremin? The theremin. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to touch anything. You literally just have no coordination and just hold your hands above the air. Just like wave that. it over things. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Or, or the triangle. Everyone can play the triangle. Hey, Jack yeah. the drummers. Got all that covered. That's it. Now we'll move on. Uh, you've done a few reality shows, but unlike our past guest, Adam Richard, you've actually got titles on your resume that you're not trying to erase <laughs> from it. Yeah, so so far you've done The Amazing Race and I'm a Celebrity. So are you going for the trifecta with a third mega hit reality show? Maybe Celebrity Drag Race? I watched The Masked Singer last. I never seen it. So I started watching that and thought, well, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. But um, I kind of avoided them for a long time. So when I was doing Kath and Kim, I, I think I turned down Dancing with the Stars 10 times. No, I'm not doing Dancing with the Stars. And then I got a tax bill and went, okay, I'd love to go to the jungle. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. So <laughs> that paid that off. <laughs> and then the last one I did because I could do it with Frankie, I could do it with my daughter. So we had, we could, that was some charity base. It was just a, a nice way to go overseas with a kid. And that, that were my reasons for doing it. So I'm not necessarily dying to do reality television. When I asked Frankie, she said, oh, I'm not sure if I want to do that, Dad. I went, okay. She said, <laughs> she said when she went away, she came back and said, it's okay, Dad. I've asked my friends. We've decided that no one watches free-to-air television anyway, so I'll do it. <laughs> so it wasn't, wasn't going to disturb her you know, little burgeoning career that she's got going. But um, yeah. it was a fair excuse. But we had a great time, so I'm glad we did it. Yeah. What about what about sketch comedy? Because you've done a few sketch comedy yeah. shows. And would you jump back into that? Or do you think that that's still something that's valid here in Australia? Yeah, look, it's always valid. But it's it's because of the digital platforms, you can see so much and just pull it out of thin air and grab it. So when when sketch comedy was great in Australia was when there was no internet. So everyone tuned into it and it became the water water bubbler water bubbler conversations on the at work were all around the same show because the whole the whole audience were watching it at the same time so you could dissect it together but now everyone's split and you kind of you it's really hard to get a, a sense of momentum about a sketch show and they're, they're quite expensive to make once you start doing you know elaborate sets and going places i think i think open slather was like cost like 200 grand an app to make maybe even more so and if no one's watching it, you go, it's, it's chucking, you know, it's a lot of money to throw at something and no one's really going to watch it. Or you, you hope someone's going to, you know, like get Foxtel to watch it, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's too, there's too much risk associated with it, I think. And then because there's so much endless freaking, you know, cat funny cat videos and stuff on YouTube or whatever, if you oh, want to be by something, just go scrolling and you'll find something that makes you laugh. You know? yeah. So yeah. it's just destroy that world. Unless you've got a show like Saturday Night Live, it sits there and is culturally a part of the fabric of America's, you know, uh, arts world and television world. Um, that's probably the only way to get away with it now because I think it's a bit too pricey. But uh, then there's other sort of ways to approach it. Like, you know, I think, uh, thank God you're here is a really nice way to sort yeah, of approach it. 
that kind of concept is really nice is you get something that varies a lot but is similar at the same time and you know you get your favorite people and yeah it's great you know i love that concept yeah i i love sketch comedy like i grew up with obviously the comedy company or you know it was maybe three three or four when comedy company started but it, like i was watching it and fast forward and then obviously full frontal and eric and you know we had the ronnie johns half hour and comedy yep. Inc and and all that sure jazz. and then it just felt like nothing ben elton who you had worked with obviously in three summers uh, yep. he attempted it with his yep. live from planet earth but died in australia again i yep. uh, it's so depressing because yeah sketch comedy raised me pretty much comedy yeah. company raised me like we had this comedy company book i don't know if you remember this if memory serves me correct it was like a yearbook or a compendium or something yeah it was... might have been i remember the album covers can't remember the book yeah i can remember there was a picture of a barbie doll with a sausage on her head <laughs> okay right. there was an actual barbie doll right Oh, right. uh, as well as a pair of Nike moccasins. Oh, okay. <laughs> so those are two of the jokes that I remember from that <laughs> that have literally stuck with me my whole life, Peter. So uh, Nike moccasin is solid, though. That's a very solid concept. <laughs> I know. I'm still waiting for them today. Like, yeah, bring them on. <laughs> I'm going to be 40 next year and I still don't have a pair of Nike moccasins. What's going on in this world? Make your own, Aaron. Make your own. You can do it. Yeah, true. I just, yeah, get a, a cheap badge or something and put it on the side. Vaguely remember that book? No, you know, I have no recollection. No. <laughs> That's a long time ago. That's 40 years ago. Oh, it's not 30. Is it 30 years ago? What is it? 89. How long was that ago? 25 years ago. So. I'm a writer, Peter. I did. I failed maths three years in a row and then they're like, see you later, kid. Go <laughs> live your life. I, I do all right with maths, but yeah, no, it's uh, I that memory has always stuck with me. But just on comedy company and sort of sketch comedy and and these characters that we've had uh, in Australia, America, UK, and, and all around the world, really. Uh, recently, there was a play called The Dismissal, which featured yep. another performer playing Norman Gunston. Now, for the yeah, right, wow. listeners at home, we have an actor named Gary McDonald. If you look him up, you'll probably know at least one of his films, Moulin Rouge. Uh, okay, so he had a character named Norman Gunston who lots of famous clips on YouTube. You can see him up. Now, he it's Fantastic. a character this actor invented himself, so it's part of his fabric. As someone like yourself worked in sketch comedy as well as scripted comedy like Catherine Kim, which comes comes from uh, Full Front... Uh, well, front or fast yeah, forward? Uh, comes from it comes from yeah, fast forward. Big Girl's Blouse. Big Girl's Blouse. Oh, Big Girl's Blouse, Blouse, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so it comes from sketch comedy. It was turned into a longer yep. series, so your character and other characters were invented for it. So not mm -hmm. quite the same as the Kath and Kim characters who belong to Jane and Gina. That's so right. Do you feel there is a, a line where no one else should be playing Norman Gunston, no one else should be playing Dave Bedner because they belong to those creators or is it a matter of we can put christopher reeve in the flash movie with cgi who cares who plays dave Mender now like wh where is it for you it's interesting when they say american version of kath and kim which was you know unusual but um they've got to find their way to do it and I, you know it wasn't wasn't you know it was their thing but yeah. they didn't know what to do with something like a sharon streslecki they didn't know what that was i don't know how to didn't know how to deal with that, so they just made it the gay man. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a gay man. <laughs> so it's just so something about belonging 
that sort of creativity, like a Norman Gustin or a Sharon Strzelecki uh, uh, or a Dame Edna, good luck impersonating for a start because they're coming from that person's Ex- yeah. heart and soul. It's really, really tricky, very tricky acting task to do. Sorry, I just want to throw it in. I'm not devaluing at all uh, the Cal character or or the other characters that weren't mm-hmm. the Catherine Kim. I promise you I'm not devaluing that. It, I'm just sort of, like the Wayne and Garth characters in Wayne's World. Those two yeah. characters come from Saturday Night Live yep. and then the yep. show was built around that. So then obviously you, you were either... That's right. The part was either written for you or whatever the circumstance was. We, we won't necessarily go into it. So I just just wanted to clarify there that I promise I was not devaluing your character or, or contribution. So yes, sorry. No, no, I complete no, completely understand that. Completely get it. Okay, thank God. <laughs> no, no, it's just um, it's like anything. It's like um, what's his name, Austin doing Elvis. I loved his Elvis, but some yeah. people go, oh, I don't like his Elvis. I thought he's great at Elvis. Because you've got the essence of something, you're generally going to make it, you know. But to do get the essence of a Dame Medna average is almost impossible because it's so, so insane, it's so crazy, and so belonging to Barry Humphreys and same with Norman. He, he can't very hard to impersonate. You can do it roughly, like in a sketch, you could do it, but you know, as a brief moment. But actually, do it and for it to hold and say, "This is the new Norman Gunston." It's not. It's just what will never be. Hmm. Yeah. Very tricky. Because these characters were living, breathing characters outside of the shows that they yeah. were in. Norman Gunston was on the streets of Parliament, or on the streets of Parliament, like on that's the, on the, the steps, steps of Parliament. Parliament. That's, that's what I mean. You yeah. know what? Like, and and Catherine Kim did the Logies, and they've done interviews yeah. as Gina and Jane did interviews as Catherine Kim. So they were living, breathing entities. Keith Lemon belongs to I can't remember the the actor's name, but Borat belongs to yeah, Sa- yeah. Shesha. Sasha Baron Cohen. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It has a bit of uncanny valley. I didn't see the dismissal, and it's no absolute no disrespect to the creators, the actor, or anything like that. It's a discussion on a creation of a performer and a character belonging. Yeah, but I think I think in the case of that dismissal and that show, because it was such a, a moment in history that he he was there and. Mm-hmm. Had the gumption as, as yep. Gary to go as Norman stand in the background and you know just be there at a, an incredibly huge moment of like in America that would never happen. You couldn't sit and you know you yep. wouldn't have I don't know what's a fantastic American character we all love. I don't know. Yeah, can't um, remember one. But anyway, there's a million of them. Uh, Tony yeah. Clifton was he? We, we were discussing this yesterday. Wasn't Andy Kaufman? Wasn't there a whole theory that Andy Kaufman? didn't die oh that's right <laughs> yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. it's a conspiracy theory it's not true obviously yeah. but anyways uh last question matt you're yeah on. well this has to do with um, um we're going to ask you to use your creativity and to build a character really quickly well sure maybe not a character but a sandwich oh yep. yum if you were to go to the broadway jelly if they're going to make a sandwich or a submarine sandwich out of you what ingredients would be on your rose thorn sandwich oh, okay my hollywood sandwich so you go to the local deli in hollywood and you get a yes. you get a rose yeah. thorn sub you yes. get it matt didn't get it yeah. I, I, I sent in the <laughs> yeah. question it's like oh is this a reference to something and i'm like hello like celebrity sandwiches it's, i'm it's the american quite... i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> the most fulfilling uh things to me are like a breakfast-based roll. So it will contain some sort of scrambly egg, but with some sort of, with some beautiful chives through it or something like that, something um, something tasty, but sort of stable, like 
Eggs are very stable thing. You can very hard to bugger up. Uh, beautiful crispy bacon in there as well. If you could, if I could have that, and some there's some chili involved in somewhere as well, and somehow making it. I, I do like a not homo, but you know, multi-grain, like a multi-grain kind of. So it's got it's got a healthier element to it. Yeah, yeah. Got a twist. A bit of lettuce maybe something basic, and um, away you go. Simple, simple fare, but always works. Always consistently hits the spot. Which is my thing. Always yeah. hit the spot. You have thought about that before, haven't you? No, I have not. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I think and I think the sandwich could be wrapped in assless chaps. Of course, of course it is. <laughs> well, just as a missing section, anyway. <laughs> the wrapping <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't quite cover the button. <laughs> I don't know Ian. I've never met Ian. I'll, I'll meet. Oh, it's a beautiful man. I'll meet him at the red carpet for rent. Because thank you so much, Ian, for inviting me to mm-hmm. rent. I have. Oh wow! I have a rent poster on my wall. It's been you there do, for my... every recording, and uh, you both know him, so. You both can apologize to him for the content in this episode, but it really has been such a joy, Peter, laughing oh, and you. making you laugh. Like you are the the, the, the daddy of us, the dad, the dad of Australian comedy. That's what you <laughs> We've had the gay uncle on. We've had Adam Richards. Oh, look at him go. Yeah, that's, that's been an absolute pleasure, my friends, and lovely to meet you and good luck with getting your guests, more famous ones, you know. <laughs> Thank you. The more famous, the better. <laughs> I'm an Aries. I'm an Aries. I will keep trying until we bloody get it. That's it. But anyways, before we let you go, where can people find you on the social medias? I'm on, I think I'm on uh, Instagram. Yep. Uh, I, I do a lot of work on my daughter's TikTok. <laughs> I don't know. You'll find me there if you've got a Billy Rose on TikTok. Um, but um, yeah, I'm sort of, yeah, go to Insta and not that I'm that prolific, but uh, if you want to see me, I'm in Chicago to the film, what feels like the rest of my life. Still September or something like that, I think it is. Which is actually pretty good for a musical. Not that but really even shorter runs in each city. And yeah, look, I'm having a great time. So so come along and see me there. I'm gonna and I'm making a film down in Albany in uh, we're having a little hiatus uh, over February, March. So keep an eye out for a film called Frederickstown. It, it's be I it's the most I think it's gonna be the best thing I've ever done. Wow. In my career. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a great part. It's a really good part. Very against type for me which i love so it's nice to be offered something that goes completely against the grain of what people think they know me for yeah yeah <laughs> brett and amos yeah. brett that's it and amos you know, yeah <laughs> same same but different that's it i was gonna ask are you being typecast there but looking at yeah. your your career no clearly haven't i'm flabbergasted <laughs> it, it truly is such an honor thanks a lot i created this show so for anyone to say yes it's I think Ian may have been shocked that you said yes, to be honest, because I've tried no, okay. so many times. Every time he's doing a show, I'm like, can we get this person? Can we get that person? Hey, come on. And and yes. Asabi's good help too. She's a good wingman for you. Asabi's good for putting oh, your word cool. in. I, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. Thanks. And tell her we say we send our love, of course. Yes. <laughs> okay, I certainly will. Give her a big hug and a high five from me. Or probably don't give her a hug because there's laws now about hugging. No, she's a hugger. She's a hugger. She's a hugger. Oh, she, oh that's all right. Yeah, then. She loves a hug. Give her one from me. I'll, I'll I let will. her know that it's coming her way. Anyways, we'll let you go. Good on you. Thanks. Thanks, thanks mate. It was really Thanks great. Thank you. Thank you so Cheers. much. Cheers. Bye. Have fun. Anyways, a huge, huge thank you to Peter for joining us. What a thrill. It was so much fun. And also to Ian 
for all his help and the collaboration. Yay, we finally got there! We finally got there, and I could finally prove myself and prove, like, after all this time, I'm saying, our show is great, our show is great, our show is great. Hopefully, hopefully, we did great. I really do hope we did great and that we lived up to everything I'd promised along the way, uh, but we did have so much fun recording it, so I really do hope Peter had a good time, and there is an open invitation to come back, of course, and for Anthony Warlow. Uh, anyways, also a huge thank you to Mama Asabi, and when you're in Melbourne, I am so totally going to be requesting an actual hug in real life, because we don't work together, there are no laws about that. Uh, anyways, and please come back and co-host with me again sometime, or even with Matt. Uh, anyways, so, check below for the details for everything, because you can find tickets to Chicago if you're in Australia. It's playing in Brisbane at the moment, then Melbourne in March, then Sydney in June, and then finishing up in Adelaide in August, as it opened in Perth already and played there. And it's also playing around the world, so if you're interested in seeing this long-running hit production, then definitely buy tickets to it. We've had numerous guests on in the past that have appeared in the show, including Caroline O'Connor and James Monroe Iglehart. Anyways, so you can find Peter at Peter Rosethorn on Instagram. You can find... Matt at Matt Young Actor on Instagram, as well as his website, I believe. Uh, he's locked his Twitter, so I wouldn't suggest go looking for him there. You can find us at Thrush and Treasure, or on Instagram at Thrush and Treasure Podcast. So it's most places as thr at Thrush and Treasure, uh, just on Instagram with the podcast, or blooming theatricals on patreon also please buy the toniston tales and read the toniston tales i did put a lot of work into them and they are fun and awesome uh and one last thing we didn't get to talk about in the episode was matt has a film coming out soon called the heart of the man or it might be the heart of a man i think it's the man Anyways, it's having its world premiere on the 28th of February up in Brisbane. Uh, so check his Instagram for details on that. A huge congratulations from myself, Spencer, and Mr. JWags to our teammate Matt for that. Because not only is he starring in this movie, but his name is on the poster in the credits. So that is pretty awesome. So we are very, very proud of our teammate. And speaking of Spencer and Mr. JWags, if you are in New York, you can check out Spencer's New York producing debut at 54 Below, in which he is producing a show, I think called Wolf Pack or something. I'm not sure what it is. So check his Twitter and Instagram for details on that. And Mr. JWags, you can check out his work if you go see Second City in New York City, in which he is the musical director of their troupe there. So technically that's the third city, I think. Uh, either way, I'm very proud. I'm so, so proud of my teammates. Bloody Ripper, bloody unreal. Also, one last thing. We were actually meant to have a different episode for this week. We had... An episode planned, we, we would 
only days from recording it, but the guest had to postpone. Uh, there's also been a personal thing going on, which we're not going to talk about in this episode, obviously, because we're at the end of the episode. It'll come up in a discussion sometime soon uh, about why we've had two months off taking our time with episodes, but we've had a couple of episodes in the can that have been waiting and waiting and waiting. So anyways, we're back in production. Uh, So we've got three episodes this month, three amazing episodes with three amazing guests. So here's the first one with Peter Rosethorn. Thank you so much for joining us. And to you at home, you take care, look after yourselves. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Uh-huh. Like quicksand! <laughs>